Just us two today, Dave. Just the two of us. <laughs> Herman's hiding oh, somewhere. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and a trip all over the world for soccer updates from anywhere, really. My name is Brady. I've taken the microphone from Alex, and I am joined by Dave today. What up? (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Ian, our wonderful producer, who does way too much work for us. And a shout out to Jen as well, who runs our social medias or helps us anyway. Uh, Dave, you have a note here uh, about Correa. Let's talk some baseball. Uh, Alex brought it up last week, but uh, I actually have him on my fantasy team this year. So now I have a reason to root for the Twins again. It'll be be fun. Nice. However, I do not have any Cubs players, so that kind of bums me out. But that's our baseball fix for the week. (laughs) Nice. I was trying to be optimistic about the Cubs this season. And I, I don't know what to think, honestly, do you have a read on it? So uh, I actually, I like their pitching staff maybe more than others would. we have uh, some kind of, I guess, lottery tickets with, I think Wade Miley and then Drew Smiley, which is really funny because it rhymes and that it's is weird, awesome. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm feeling oddly optimistic about that. And I have a feeling I'm going to end up being very depressed come September. Mm. So. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a read. I haven't done my, my full analysis yet. Really baseball is, isn't my main. Uh, so I'll leave that to you. So we'll jump right to Chicago soccer. We'll start with the red stars who are doing quite well in the challenge cup. Uh, we had a nothing nothing tie against Racing Louisville and then a two nothing victory against the Houston Dash. We are just destroying the Dash this year, which is fun to see. Pew is dominant again, two nothing. She just loves to score goals against Houston. And that puts us at the top of the central group with seven points. And we have uh, a better goal differential than anyone else at plus three. So sitting there up top feels pretty right. good. Yeah, not too bad. And then up next, we have Racing Louisville on Saturday, April 16th. There's a gap because we have U.S. Women's National Team Friendlies versus Uzbekistan. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really know anything about their international team, though. So I guess these are just really kind of warm-ups, getting some reps against people that aren't in camp, you know, stuff like that. But we play them twice back-to-back, and that seems what the, the women's team has been doing that a lot over the past like couple of years. I don't know if it's COVID related or they're just trying to get a couple extra games in, but yeah. Yeah. That does seem to be something they're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know much about Uzbekistan either. I wouldn't think they have a ton of women's soccer power, but uh, you know, uh, we are just trying to deepen our roster quite a bit. Uh, some of the call-ups or uh, it doesn't include some of the big names like a Julie Ertz or anything like that. It's a lot of kind of newer names to it. And I'll go through the roster in a second. But we do play uh, against Uzbekistan April 9th 
at 4.30 p.m. and then April 12th at 6 p.m. Go through the roster just really quick. Bella Bixby, Aubrey Kingsbury, and Alyssa Nair. Alyssa Nair did get called back in. So those are your three goalkeepers. Alana Cook, Abby Dahlkemper, Imani Dorsey, Emily Fox, Sofia Huerta, Naomi Girma, and Kelly O'Hara are our defenders. Midfielders, Lindsay Horan, Jalen Howell, Rose Lavelle, Katarina Macario, who had that amazing goal. I'm sure you've seen it. And if you haven't, try and find uh, the Olympic Lyonnais goal from her. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Christy Mewis, Samantha Mewis, the Mewis sisters, both on there. Ashley Sanchez and Andy Sullivan. And then our forwards are Ashley Hatch, Mal Pugh, shout out Mal Pugh, Margaret Purse, Trinity Rodman, who I am also pretty excited to see on the roster. She is a yeah. baller. And Sophia Smith. Any of those names pop out to you, Dave? I was thinking Lavelle. That's good to see. But I mm-hmm. felt like the most of it was a lot of names I'm not as familiar with, to be honest with you. I, you know, you had your staples, but then I feel like Pew's been on the bubble for a while, which is just nice to kind of see some repeated um, presence there because I think she's mm-hmm. great um, and should be a part of the future of the team. No homerism there, but she no, also no, is awesome. She's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a little mix of both, but I think I think she deserves it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, the, the biggest caps here are Lindsay Horan and Kelly O'Hara. So that's just your your two leaders. Alyssa Nair obviously has been around quite a long time, um, but those are your, your two main leaders, and then everyone else will kind of learn the ways. And like I said, deepening the roster for... World Cup qualifiers and Olympic qualifiers coming up. So that is that. We'll move on to the Chicago Fire, which we had a great time on Saturday in. for your bachelor party. Uh, yes. Was, yeah, was awesome. And now that we've been in a suite, we may not want to watch a game any other way because that was... It's not till May, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for everyone who can make it out. Shout out to Tim for organizing Shout such a great Tim. day. Yep. Yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. Never done that before. And it's really cool because we had a perfect view of our seats too. When people were asking where you guys at, we could just <laughs> kind of count it out and show everybody where our, our seats were. So it's really cool. Um, Fire ended up having a 0-0 draw against FC Dallas. And it was so sloppy, which is why we were so excited to be inside. <laughs> Perfect day to be inside. Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was looking at, they had um, another like sweet experience now where you could be field level, um, like open air. And, you know, if, if we had bought tickets there, it would have oh. just been tragic. <laughs> it would have been so bad. But yeah, it, it was just constant downpour and it just, got worse and worse throughout the game. I, um, a lot of the players were saying how um, the sloppiness of the game was a product of the environment. And then you have the Clearly, soldier field yeah. grass, which is notorious for people hating it. And that just being swamped on for an hour and a half must have made those last 15 to 20 minutes of the game unbearable for a lot of players. Yeah. Um, I think just both teams just, they, while they created a couple opportunities, it, just everybody kind of seemed to be happy with locking in a draw after a while. Yeah, I totally agree. There was a scary moment. Uh, Shakiri did come off early. Dave, do you have any updates about him? Yeah, I was listening to some of the post-game interviews and uh, 
Ezra took a few questions regarding Shakiri, uh, mm-hmm. and he had mentioned that he had kind of like a little bit of a knock, and they were going to try and make him see if he could play a little bit through it, okay. and started feeling some tightness, and then. Um, he had asked to come off in the 20th minute just to maybe avoid it getting worse and missing the game this weekend. So I think there's still hope at this time to see him against Orlando. But okay. We'll That'd be good because another stalemate against them wouldn't be great for me, but uh, it did look planned. It did look like people were aware that he may not go 90. Uh, Brian looked like, yeah. pretty warmed up and ready to go early on, which yeah. you wouldn't normally expect. So I think everyone kind of knew Coming off international duty, yeah. he's going to try and put in a shift, but with right. the weather the way it was, it, ideally you would have hoped for you know maybe sixty minutes, but that's not always the case, and especially right. in the elements like that, he's probably like, forget this, I'm going to go on. <laughs> uh, would not have been fun. Would not have been a fun game to play for sure. Yeah. Also, uh, Chi Host was in COVID protocol, which we didn't really know. And it didn't seem like the coaching staff knew that he was still going to be in it until like the day before. Mm-hmm. So they had a plan around that as well. So given the circumstances of the weather and the personnel out on the field, I feel like, you know, it, it was actually a decent result that we came out of there with the points. Uh, Fabian Erbers in his post-game interview was very excited with it. And uh, one of the people asking the questions had Posed one saying like, oh, in the past, don't you think we would have ended up, you know, dropping all the points in this one? He said, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. Uh, this team is so much like stronger and together and proves to proves to us that we, you know, we're here to play. We could get a point out of a really bad situation rather than giving it up and, you know, taking a hit in the table. So it, it was good to hear. I think everybody's still positive despite it not maybe being the most desired result at home. But again, given the situation, I thought it was great. Yeah. that I mean, let's think about it. it certainly it last was, season, we would have yeah. dropped points. You know, like that would yeah. have just been, a, been a really bad, bad goal and, somewhere late. Yeah. 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 So I do feel okay with a nothing, nothing draw. Yeah. I thought the energy from Slonina too, like, heck I, yeah. I didn't take it. I didn't take away too much from it on my initial watch in the stadium because I was talking with people and, but like he was very excited. He would even late in the game, he had just kind of picked up a ball and was running to the, the front of the box, trying to get everybody to keep pushing. So I think that energy helps to have on the team now too. It was He's really awesome. cool. Yeah. So next up uh, this Saturday, April 9th, we play Orlando at noon. So it's kind of one of those really strange day games. It's kind of hard to watch when you're trying to do something else during the day, <laughs> but but definitely tune if you can. We'll, we'll we'll cover it for a bit next week and go over the goals and what's going on. And hopefully we'll have Shakiri and another W under our belt. Yep, that'd be great. All right, that takes us now to our game of the week. Another barn burner. Another fantastic yes. game in Italy. <laughs> Juventus versus Inter. <laughs> I sarcastically picked this one right, so I'm <laughs> I'm really happy. Uh, I mean. So, yes, it was a one nothing scoreline. Inter did steal a win in uh, Juve's house. However, we can't say this game was boring. Mm-mm. I think a quite fun one. Uh, and just, uh, just all kinds of chaos, all kinds of nuts. Um, I'll go into the lineup really quick, and then we can start to discuss some of the chaos. Yeah. So, for Juve, we had a 4-2-3-1 which they've been changing formations quite a bit this season. So it's interesting to see that they came out with a somewhat 
bland formation. But then when I read off these names, you'll understand why. So Chesney and goal, Danilo, Delict, Chiellini, Alexandro in the back, Locatelli, Rabio as those two holding mids, and then Quadrado, Dybala, Morata, and then Vlahovic up top at the number nine. Those last four names are attacking. Yeah. Like that is a going for it lineup. Yeah. Dybala playing up there can play a nine, but he played the number 10. Vlahovic, Morata, they could replace each other at striker. I actually kind of like Morata better as a striker, but I thought Vlahovic played well, and we'll go into that more. And then Inter with their 3-5-2. This is what they've been playing all season. This is what to expect for them. Andanovic in goal. D'Ambrosio, Srinar, Skriniar. It's a hard one to say. Bastoni at the back. Then going from starting from the right wing back, Dumfries, Barella, Brozovic, Shananoglu, and Perisic at the wide left wing back. And then Jekko and Lautaro Martinez are two of their strikers. They do play with two strikers, and they're both really good. So just one goal is a disappointing scoreline. But as we go into this game, (laughs) chaos. It was nuts. Juve Mm -hmm. did really, really go for it and just simply couldn't finish it all, which that sucks. But 22 shots, only five on target. It's probably not good enough. Probably not good enough to score goals against a, a decent goalkeeper in Handanovic against a team that's going to sit back and want to counter against you. They did hit the post twice. Yeah. Um, we'll go into that. And just to summarize the missed opportunities here, Juve had 2.54 expected goals to Inter's 1.2. So Juve definitely should have won this game. Yeah. The numbers say so. The momentum said so. Inter got lucky. They, yeah, they, they did a couple different ways and we will talk about it. Uh, just to encapsulate this game, ninth minute nonsense in the box. So Quadrado crosses the ball in Handanovic. Quadrado crosses the ball in Handanovic punches it just straight up in the air. Just not out, yeah. just straight up, straight up. And then as he's recovering back towards his own net, he trips and falls to the ground. I don't know who tripped him. It looked like he kind of just tripped himself. There was no foul called. So Chiellini has a chance about a foot away from the net and just simply whiffs. He whiffs at an open net, ball bouncing around, and it actually bounced all the way back up to the bar, which is just craziness. How did it not go under? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, how, how did Chiellini miss? That's my first point. How the heck do you miss that? I don't know that energy there. Yeah. I guess that kind of sets the tone for the day though, for him, right? Just a lot of unlucky moments and <laughs> little things that if you, if you put that one in, you probably take this game away. Um, they were playing so yeah. aggressively. Uh, it was just Juve wouldn't let enter out. They would intercept a lot of their attempted attacks. Juve would intercept enter quite a bit. And then they would settle for longer shots. I felt like, and none of them could find the back of the net. Their crosses were okay, but, a guy like Murata can be a little bit streaky. And so he missed a couple of ones that you, you've seen him put away before. Um, yeah. So anything to add before we go into the 43rd minute craziness? No, let's go for it. Let's go right into it. So uh, balls bouncing around again. Now this time in Juve's box, Dumfries gets on the ball and just really intelligently keeps it in the box. He's just dribbling around and it really looked like he was just trying to get fouled. (laughs) And 
I thought he was successful. I thought this was definitely a pen. What do you think? I, I agree. Uh, I think he got tripped up. There was contact there. I think that it was the right call. It was like he baited them into it. Kind of, kind of mm-hmm. like you said, you just held on to it and you knew it was coming and, you know, you've a bit and they yeah, paid the consequences for it. Specifically Murata, which is part of the reason that I like him play striker. Like you're tall, <laughs> strong, good. New, yeah. Get, get away from my box Sit at the top of the box. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, that is legitimately part of why I didn't like him playing a left winger in this one. But, you know, what are you going to do sometimes? And it was a quote-unquote soft penalty, but you and I both think, like, this was pen. That's what it has to be. Which also leads me to Juve were totally in the ref's face. Both teams actually were all over the ref all game, which I was quite taken aback by. Seems like that happens a lot more often now especially over the last few weeks, I felt like the U S was very, like they were very much, they're able to approach the ref a lot more than I thought was common. Like as of late. So it seems to just be like a trend in in the league where like, I I don't know why you waste your time arguing something like after, you know, he's made the decision or even coming back from VAR, like Mm -hmm. it's not going to, Nothing's going to change. Like you could talk mouth off to them all you want. Like, what are you hoping to accomplish at this point? Unless it's to prevent it from happening next time. But yeah, I don't know. A lot of those VAR decisions are out of the ref's hands anyways. Like it's up to a people in a booth. So yeah, I just thought it was a little wild and I'm surprised that more cards aren't being just shoved in people's faces. Um, I I thought he handled it really well, actually, because I think in the end, the decisions were correct here. Um, Yes. But yeah, so I'll go into it. Penalty was taken, saved. Players are crashing into the ball, into the goalkeeper, into the defenders. Yeah. What's happening? Ball bundles in and wait, no goal. Yeah. What is yeah. happening? <laughs> the commentators didn't know. I didn't really know. I was just like, what is going on? Turns out Delict was early into the box before the penalty was actually kicked. So we have a retake. Shannonoglu this time gives the goalkeeper. No chance. Pretty good. Even guess the right way eventually. So it was, he initially kind of goes to his left and then throws his body to the right. But at that point he was, I wasn't able to get that full extension. So he didn't have a a chance for that ball buried in the corner. Yeah. He also hit it quite a bit harder this time. (laughs) Yes. He put it away. I did want to shout out Vlahovic. Uh, I thought he had some really good moments. Um, and we should expect to see him play for Serbia in the World Cup. Um, so that'll be fun. We kind of can see some of his technical ability. Um, maybe he plays striker. Maybe he plays winger. Not sure. Um, but had some really nice moves, especially at the end of the first half. And in the 63rd minute, the 63rd, he had that Cruyff turn on the defender and just didn't score. Yeah. He ended up missing all these opportunities. But he he seems like he is an exciting player. We've seen him score some cool goals for Juventus. I think that he'll be a solid player yeah. in the upcoming tournament. Yeah. Um, and then 73rd minute, Zakaria smacks the post. This was probably Juve's best chance of the second half, other than probably that turn by Vlahovic. But really nice run from deep in midfield. And a lot of times against a three-man back line or a five back, you need a midfielder to make this kind of run because the defenders will just be on top of their own box. So a lot of times a goal will have to come from this and it was inches away 
And yeah, just not, didn't go in for Juve in this game. So what that means, we've got Juventus in fourth place, four points behind Inter. So this was absolutely significant. Inter stole points on the road. Tough to do against the old lady of Italy. Uh, Inter has a game in hand and is three points behind second place and has a better goal differential. So if they win their game in hand, they could jump up to second and beyond. And then Milan sits there with 67 points up top. Napoli with 66 in second. So it's a tight race. Juventus didn't do themselves any favors as far as getting up to the championship. Um, We'll see if they can hold on to the Champions League spot. Um, But Inter's marching. Napoli's good. Milan needs to keep winning if they want to win the Serie A this year. Yep. Okay, enough discussing a one-goal game. We'll talk about something you and I are both incredibly pumped about. Let's talk (laughs) about the World Cup. Let's talk about the groups. Go ahead, Dave. You started off with Group A. Yeah, Group A is obviously the host group. So you have Mm -hmm. Qatar, uh, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. Uh, Just taking like a quick look at this, like this isn't, I would say... I think Qatar, if I'm not mistaken, is like one of the lower ranked teams just based mm-hmm. on, you know, they're, they're the hosts and they don't really have a ton of like, um, I wouldn't say not that they have a, don't have a ton of experience, but they're just not, you know, that strong of a team um, from their uh, continent mm-hmm. group. But I'd say that, you know, besides them, Ecuador is not that solid of a team either on paper. I think your main threats here are Senegal and the Netherlands, but it would be interesting to see if, there's some home field advantage that kind of goes and takes Qatar and maybe in a second or maybe impossibly winning the group. Yeah. Senegal has just come out of winning AFCON and then uh, beating it, Egypt, even though I would say it's very controversial how they won, <laughs> but they got to be flying high on that. They do have a solid team. Um, and Netherlands with Van Dyke and uh, kind of like a younger Netherlands squad is looking strong as well. I wonder if their fans will try and sneak laser pointers into World Cup games. We shall see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) I'll move immediately into Group B because we have to discuss them. We'll probably discuss them more in depth after we go through the groups. But Group B is England, Iran, USA, 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 and then the European playoff, which could be Ukraine, Scotland, or Wales. And we will know that in June. There's like a mini tournament in June that's going to be fascinating to watch. I'm really yeah. excited, actually. It is going to be a really fun uh, treat, especially after it's going to kind of feel like soccer's done, but it's not, you know. It's not. After the Champions <laughs> League, there's some really important soccer this summer. Yeah, good point. Uh, I'm going to take over for Group C. We got Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland, which I think is a really solid group as well. I think yeah. there's three teams here that could definitely advance. Um, Argentina seems to get a lot of... Um, pundits like favorite card, but I don't think that they always play well on this stage. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Group D is France, Denmark, Tunisia. And then the, I believe it's the AFC winner. Let me double check that right now. Yeah. So it's either Peru or UAE or Australia. So Peru did well enough to win their game against uh, a team that hadn't been doing all that well in Comey Ball qualifying, won that one. And so they moved on to this playoff, which again, 
all happens in June. It's going to be a really fun little mini tournament. Nice. For Group E, there's Spain, Germany, Japan, and the winner of the other intercontinental intercontinental playoff, uh, which is Costa Rica versus New Zealand. And that's, that's another actually, really solid group. I know yeah. a lot of people say no group of death, but that's a pretty close one there. Yeah. It's pretty good teams. Group F has Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Yes. And then Group G is Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. And to round it all out, Group H has Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and the Korea Republic. All right. Let's do a little bit more deep dive into Group B. I know we want to talk about it. USA, baby. Can we make it out of the group? I say yes. I, I think we have England's ticket sometimes on this stage. They all get yeah. in their heads. You know, what's <laughs> funny, though, is that when I heard we got pulled into them, I got really excited right away. And then I was kind of thinking, like, this is, like, England's best squad in a very, very long mm-hmm. time. At least that's how I feel about them. Um, they're still a rather young squad. Uh, but they seem to play better when they're at Wembley. So I think that them being, you know, abroad again is going to be in our favor. Uh, Iran, I think you can't really sleep on them. I've heard some news that they're actually a pretty solid team. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're going to have the least amount of distance to travel to get to this place as well. So it'll be in their favor there. And then you have the crazy story lines that I alluded to last week in taking up the final spot. So whether it's Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine, they're going to be there to make them their presence known. And especially in the case of Wales and Scotland, if they win, they're going to want to smoke England and, and yeah. then advance out of the group. So, Yeah, no, I think Iran, yeah, like you said, we can't sleep on them, although their only loss and draw came against South Korea. So I guess if you want to look at the level of competition yeah. and who they haven't done so well Great against. Point. So there, there's a chance there that their qualifying group just isn't very good. But we'll see. I good think point. they're going to be solid defensively. I'm a little worried about yes. like the game states of these games. So we want to be this positional type team that wants to control the ball. We're not going to do that against England. They're going to be ball dominant. It's just they're better at that because they've been doing it for longer and you know us we're all excited about our young team but like you said england is young and they are hungry and i don't think that they have the same ghosts that some of the older uh, england teams did in the past true and then i'm more i think that wales is the best shot of getting through these other two teams and that team scares me because they'll just sit in and then you just have Gareth Bale do something crazy on the other end. And that can always be a thing. He's that good. So I feel a little bit down on it right now. And I think I'm just being hyper like <laughs> analytical and logical. Um, this should, I mean, we can do it though. I think that yeah. second in this group is definitely up for grabs. We have to play well, but we knew that going in. So I'm, I am super pumped. Yeah. Super pumped as well. And we have seven months to change your minds. Yes. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we'll continue to talk about these. We may do a deeper dive into each group or something like that, which would be fun to do. But we've got some time to talk about it. And my excitement isn't going to go away. It's only going to get more more and more as we go. So 
Only disappointment is we didn't get Ghana this time around. <laughs> I <laughs> thought we were. <laughs> we had to finish that. <laughs> <laughs> when the draw was going on, I was like, we're definitely getting Ghana. They're definitely yeah. ending up in our group. <laughs> All right. Switching gears now to some EPL action. I'll go ahead and go first because I'm pretty excited about Spurs right now. Just yeah. thumped Newcastle. We did go down a goal early, but I never really was that worried about it. It was I thought we would be able to find another way to score. Uh, we've got Villa coming up on Saturday, and we have to keep winning. Basically, we are in must-wins every week because Arsenal still have a game in hand. They did lose to Crystal Palace today, uh, but I don't think that they will lose against Brighton on the weekend. So we just we need to keep acquiring points and trying to stay in front of Arsenal, uh, which is not easy. They are playing good soccer right now. So moving over to Chelsea because. Alex is mysteriously missing from our episode today. Uh, and this one pretty much explains the absence. He did not want to discuss four unanswered goals against Brentford. There are 13 points back now on Liverpool. So that's not great for them as far as trying to make a title run. And now they're going to be scrapping at just holding on to that Champions League spot. And uh, Tottenham's coming. Yeah. Icing on the cake was uh, it was at Stamford Bridge too. Yes, yeah. Worse. But then again, game. it is pretty empty because of yeah. I think everything that's going on off field, it's still it was so crazy to see that result, <laughs> especially after a sick goal from Rudiger. That was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. That normally deflates a team's ego, right? For sure. And they didn't let that happen. Mm-mm. Erickson got himself a goal. It's just one of my favorite stories in soccer. Keeps going. I love it. Um, I hope they extend him uh, in his contract. And I hope he's interested to stay there. I think that's a cool story. Yeah, agreed. All right, take it away, Liverpool. I don't have a ton to say. Champions League continues this week uh, against Benfica. So hopefully by the time this airs, they'll have one win under their belts or at least, you know, have played really well in the first half. Um, We beat uh, Watford 2-0, which wasn't a surprise this weekend. And we were in first for a couple hours this Saturday morning. So that (laughs) felt good. It was a weird feeling because it's been a while. Um, But it's a huge week ahead and a huge month ahead, which will bring us to our game of the week. Yeah. Which will be... Manchester City versus Liverpool on Sunday, April 10th, 10.30 a.m. It's the big one. Huge. This is where the Premier League season's decided. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is a huge game. A lot of times the Premier League doesn't come down to one and two playing each other. It's about how you play against everyone else. But this season, it's this game has big implications. And that's not to say that either team won't slip up outside of this stretch, but I don't know. This feels like it has a lot of weight to it and Mm -hmm. will kind of carry momentum for whoever whoever gets through this one. Yeah. Do you think, to that end, Liverpool rest anyone against Benfica? It's a tough question. I mean, they've been successfully doing that uh, in the uh, domestic cups. It's just hard to do that in a Champions League yeah. like Group Two. And when you're looking at the, um, like the fan like comment sections on like either online forums or on Bleach Report, like a lot of the fans are like, ah, we don't need the Champions League. It'd be it'd be a bigger deal if we pull out off the Premier League again this year from coming from behind. I, and I I agree with that, but winning the Champions League is really sweet too. So I don't I feel like they don't have to choose. 
I think um, a lot of the players are ready to continue to play, although it is kind of hard coming right off the international break. I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. them are exhausted, uh, but this is what you play for. And I think this is the point in time where people kind of push through any smaller injuries and make it happen. And they do have depth. So if somebody is kind of feeling tired, they could sub somebody out. I would expect to see the regular starting lineup uh, coming up this week, midweek, and then see them again out on, on Sunday. The only one that um, Trent Alexander Arnold, I think is still getting fit coming off an injury and maybe we won't see him uh, midweek. I would see maybe that'd be somebody that would try and get ready for Sunday. Gotcha. Okay, we'll go into some predictions. Herman sent his in, which were a little odd. He thinks it's going to be six to six. So I don't know that he'll be correct this time around, but hey, he's not here and can't defend himself anyway. <laughs> Excellent picks. I'm going to go three to two Liverpool. Ooh, lots of goals. I think there's going to be a lot of goals for sure. Um, it's going to be heavy metal football on both sides. So it's going to yeah. be, uh, it's going to be one to remember. Yeah, I I am very much juggling this one in my brain. I think that Liverpool have momentum, and I couldn't really tell you why, other than I just think that Man City might get a little frightened in this one. So you know what? I've talked myself into it. It's going to be a one to two scoreline. Liverpool gets one All at right. the death to beat Man Let's City. Go. <laughs> oh, I, I can't I, wait. There is some favoritism <laughs> there. I do hate Man City so much. Everybody <laughs> hates Man City. <laughs> uh, some other games that are happening this weekend. El Trafico in MLS is on Saturday at 6.30. Uh, that's a fun one. Always a, a good matchup there. And one of the best nicknames for a soccer derby, I think. I love it. It is. All right. A nice, quick and easy one. Just us two talking some soccer. Short and sweet for you, dear listener. Thank you for checking us out. Please like rate and subscribe, do all those things on your, wherever you get your podcasts, tell a friend, someone who is vaguely interested in soccer. Maybe we can really hook them and get them as addicted as Dave and I are (laughs) very otherwise email us at windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Ask us questions, give us topics, tell us we suck and why we can, how we can get better. (laughs) I don't care. Uh, We love it. We love all correspondence. You can find me uh, on Twitter at stat underscore bro. And then on Instagram at Brad the Bard 13. Dave, hit him with your socials. I could be found on both Twitter and Instagram at Windy City underscore Dave. All right. Very good. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll catch you next week on Thursday. See ya. See ya.